Well, well, well. Well, well, well. If it isn't you, <laughs> my little shadow twin. Your other half. Yeah. Are you even real? I hope so. I mean, real enough. Real enough for me, man. <laughs> it's still real to me. <laughs> I want to thank you for doing what you've done to your body. <laughs> oh, man. We're back at it again. Sorry for the delay, y'all, in case anyone uh, is clamoring for a little podcast from us. Then someone write you saying, get your shit together. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what the heck? Where's this podcast? And I'm like, chill it out. Okay. There's one coming. We actually recorded one the other night, but it, it just wasn't right. The nighttime was not the right time, I guess. No, we spent a lot of the podcast being like, nighttime's the right time. And then after the podcast finished, we were like, that was horrible. Yeah. I just felt um, I didn't want to put a negative vibration into the world. It's too easy when you're lazy to like not that we, we were just being almost negative it's, no it's true towards each other or something yeah yeah i mean that's the the laziest thing of all is beating yourself up right like it's so easy it's so uh, it's just the low-hanging fruit of uh abuse <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're right there self-abuse jeez. but uh i think i think we have a better positive mindset now yeah i'm feeling great yeah. I'm starting to tap into some joy in this life, in this winter season. It's tough. <laughs> it's really tough. If we weren't stuck in New York right now for reasons we can't speak about, I would love to be having fun in the sun. Like, I, I, I need it tremendously. My body needs sun. No, you were definitely feeling that. I almost put you in the car and was like, I'm driving you straight to Florida. It would be awesome. <laughs> It would be really incredible. I wish I could just carry you into the car like like a child and just like wake up and be like, we're at Disney World, Sean. Oh, man. I've had it very few times in my life, but that, that feeling where you fall asleep in the car or in transport somewhere and you like wake up to like your parents like putting you in bed. That's, a, that's an early core memory for me. You ever have that? You probably lived your life like that till you were like 17. No, I did have a lot more of it than you, though, I'm sure. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, I have a sister that's 18 months younger than me. So I really just, ha I, I really just had an 18-month period, really a nine-month period, because then my mom was pregnant nine months after I was born, where I was uh, the only one. I was, I was looking at our little pug last night, and, and our little pug, she snuggles up like in my mom's legs, and that's what I used to do when I was a little pug. Right in the nook. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very wispy memories because it didn't last that long. Like, it was just me and my parents for such a little amount of time that... Uh, pre-memory, Yeah, sure. it's really, it's pre-memory. I think my, my body probably remembers, you know. But, uh, yeah, it's weird. You grow up. We all grow up so fast. I wonder, do we wish we had more access to those, like, early memories? Do you wish you could, do you wish you could remember more things? No. Yeah, I don't either, <laughs> really. No. Everything everything I, I need to remember, uh, it's it's there. It's like, it's weird. It's stored at, like on some internal hard drive, but uh, I can't access it unless it's triggered by something. And usually what that is, is like someone connected to my past. Like I'll get around Jesse, my cousin, my, he's the closest thing I have to a brother, my best friend. And all of this stuff, like, like he'll do something and I'll be like, oh my God, remember when such and such? 
and everything will come flooding back and that's really cool and we just had the other night you open like a little portal in your mind like it's, a door swings yeah. open and you're like Whoa. yeah and like you can see clearly see and feel these memories you know we we had an epic reunion with one of our our old cinematographers hillary the other night and the second she came in the door like we like we grabbed each other and we were like we had the craziest like embrace and all this stuff came flooding back that i forgot about you know a whole era of my life yeah between like 2009 and 2012 13 14, you know? yeah yeah like a solid five years of like you know very intense friendship and creative collaboration that like i don't know if anyone would know about us if it wasn't for hillary like she came along and uh helped me see through some movies that uh, I don't know how I would have done otherwise. Forever indebted. We're forever indebted to a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, you know what's crazy, too? I didn't even think about this till just now. It's like we we reopened that portal with Hillary, and we're going to be collaborating on some dope shit that we can't quite yet talk about. But uh, the next morning after that, I got a text from the ultimate person that I'm indebted to, a guy named Mark Clark, who... Um, Man, it almost gives me anxiety thinking about this. Literally, this dude, um, he, he lived locally, and I was working at the deli. And he had seen me making like a, like a senior film. Like it was one of our assignments. I wasn't in film school, but it was like one of our assignments in some shitty film class I took. Like go make a film with a couple of your classmates. And he happened to be, I, I was shooting a scene at the deli, and he happened to be in there, and he saw us doing it. Cut to... A year later, I'm like a year out of college, working at the deli, and he comes in and he throws his two gallons of milk up on the on the counter, and I ring him up and he goes, "Didn't I see you with a camera in here making stuff and whatever?" And I was kind of like, "Yeah, yeah, that that's that's my dream is like I I hope I can get involved in like the film industry in some way," and he was like, "Come work for me." Literally started my my career, like I. Don't know any other route to where I got other than this guy being like, oh, I got you. You want to do this? I'll show you the ropes. And pulled me in on uh, Pepsi corporate tapes of all things. But I really, I kind of like proved myself in there. And everyone was like, oh, wow, you're you're pretty good. Pretty sharp. Yeah. And that led to me getting a gig at History Channel. And the History Channel led to me having a little bit of extra money and investing in a my first short film which went viral or at least whatever viral was in 2008 it's a different it's a, like more organic viral because there weren't like the to go viral in 2008 was like blogs had to pick it up and different things and then it just like it got picked up and picked up by different websites because people used to go to individual websites i used to i know i don't even do that anymore i, I go know. to reddit yeah you have everything curated in one place but uh it used to be a whole different world on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. When I, when I first, when I made that film, I was like, I didn't really know why I made it or what I was doing with it. So I threw it up on Vimeo, a little known platform at that time. Little known again. <laughs> uh, what a piece of shit platform. <laughs> anyway, that's a personal grievance, but, uh, I threw it up there and then literally like wrote, it was about, um, the world's largest record collection. It's called the archive. And I literally like reached out to some record blogs and a couple of them picked it up and it got like the first like few thousand views through that. And then Vimeo staff picked it and that gave it a few more thousand. And then slowly but surely it just like became a, a thing. 
got into Sundance. Crazy. That was 15 years ago. 15 years ago right now. Crazy. I was at Sundance starting my career. Crazy. Epic beginning. Think about this succession of lucky things that had to happen. Like, that's that's why I don't get too, like, um, yeah, look at me, you know, with stuff. Because I'm like, it, it, so much of it had to do with luck and being in the right place at the right time. Somewhere in the multiverse, there's a kid still working at the deli. Totally. You know I mean? Totally. Had to give up his dreams of filmmaking because Mark Clark didn't walk through the door. Yeah, now I just drink 28 beers every night and I'm, it's all good. You know, I probably have 15 kids. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the succession of lucky things that led us to where we are and what we're doing now. I I think that, like, the only thing that I added to the mix, besides, like, the universe looking out for me, is, like, really staying focused on that's what I wanted to do and that's what I was going to do. And when I was... uh given opportunities i did good at them it's important yeah yeah you always impress me with how good you do at things i'm like wow you did really good sean i almost need to be under pressure to do it though yeah i mean some people rise to the occasion you're one of those people yeah yeah i'm all about it i'm all about rising to the occasion whatever the hell that means i think it means being present okay yeah because when i'm present like i have access to all this stuff that I like, it doesn't even feel like me, you know, what does it feel like? It feels like a, like it's, it's a lame word and it gets overused, but it does. It feels like a channel. It feels like, uh, like, like a portal to like a lot of rich ideas that like make sense to me and I can fully see and I can distill it down to whatever, like I was writing the other day for a couple hours and I sent it to you and you sent it to some clients and all this stuff and everyone was blown away and I was like, I don't even feel like I wrote that. But you did and you were like, Cass, I didn't use AI. AI. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't use AI for something like that but no. in these days and day and age, it almost is like you have to say that. Like, yeah, it's just we're in the day and age where you're like, you know, I could use AI to like spruce this part up or spruce that part up. I, I will. I mean, for something like I've said it on the podcast before, like I think we're in a we're, we have a small window right now to get away with murder by using AI because not everyone's hip to it. I don't think it really applies that much to creative stuff from stuff that really needs to come from your heart and have your vision, even though AI knows about my work. Like that's what's bizarre. I could type into it like, could you make a pitch in the style of Sean Dunn? And it knows our previous stuff, it'll reference our previous stuff. It's crazy. And I also think that people have a sixth sense for the AI. You can tell. Well, look at this controversy Billy Strings just got involved with. Yeah, his New Year's merch, he, he hires local artists and uh, hired a, an artist or they like submitted and he was like, that looks great. And uh, yeah, everyone was like, that seems like AI. And Billy was like, Okay, tried to figure out, like, hey, can you show me your work or whatever, and didn't hear back from the artist, so. Turns out it was AI. Yeah, you were saying you think that those shirts are going to be more popular because, it, like, there's a little bit of thing around it now. Well, I mean, I don't think Billy Strings ever had to go on the record and speak to uh, one of his pieces of merchandise. <laughs> so I, I think it, it inherently has, like, a little bit more value. But why is it people are upset? Like, you know, like. It's, well, it's a strange support, period we're in. And people want to support, you know, this guy competed to 
have the merch design and instead of doing work and he's competing against artists who put in work and and instead fed it through a computer that used amalgamation of other people's art to spit something out that always looks slightly demented yeah it does. You, you were pulling image stills too for this project we're working on and um <laughs> you didn't use AI to get the images, but no, you but were, they're out there. But they're out there, and I the, the AI images are out amongst all the other images now. So when you're doing like very specific image searches, like I need a guy on a subway going to Coney Island, and like you know, there's like ah, eh, there's a shitty one. There's a whoa, that one's awesome. I don't look that closely at it, kind of like Billy Strings, and you were like, look at this guy. <laughs> Oh, man. The, it was AI. You had some construction workers, too. And I was like, dude, their faces were, like, melting they off. They looked like pug faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what can you do? I don't know. I, I, I like that it upsets people. I don't think it... I think we're we're in, a like, a liminal era with all this stuff. Like, it's in an in-between moment where... I like it because I feel like people... Because the ubiquitousness of it all... The ubiquity. You think it's that's a better word. Okay. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> um, that people are going to be seeking out handmade stuff more and treasuring it more. Yeah. And being like, oh, I want an artist. I, I want someone who painted something. I want to see that it's painted. You know, I think it might hurt digital artists if they don't work with AI. Yeah. Um, you kind of really have to make it an ally if you're a digital artist, I would say, in a particular type. And I definitely know digital artists who are using it. And definitely making art as if it's like a tool, as if it's a medium. Mm. AI is the medium that they're using. That's awesome. Um, but I don't know. Right now, I'm just such a crafter. I love crafting, and I like the idea of people making more gifts. And You're team human. Yeah. <laughs> Great book by Douglas Rushkoff. Yeah, I am team human. Um, that gives me hope for our work. Right, yeah. Our work is belligerently human, you know, to the point where it's a little scary sometimes. So maybe there'll be more uh, inherent value and stuff like that. Because, you know, it's terrifying. Like, we go and visit Noah, and he's like, uh, check this out. I've started all these these AI content, uh, like, YouTube channels. And, like, he can spit out, like, content like you wouldn't believe, like, Hey, what do you want? A one-minute video, a 10-minute video, a 20-minute video? You just type in a little prompt for what you want the video to be about. It, You know, you say, hey, do you, you know, does it, should the voice be male, female, trans, somewhere in between? You know, what should it be? Should it have an accent? You can just, like, click all these things. And it just takes, like, two minutes, and it's just like, boom, here it is. And he's bombarding the Internet with that stuff. Like, you know, and he's got to be one of many people that are doing that. Yeah, I mean, I think he has good ideas and it's useful like the the videos i saw that were spit up spit out i was like wow this is interesting you know yeah. you, you can learn something through what he's sharing but but when i saw it i was like he's oh, gonna be one of other we're people fucked like we're screwed we make videos mm-hmm. you know and they're very expensive to make and they're very time consuming and it takes like a lot of presence was and it it's trent like, Reznor who was saying that he's not making he's not putting out albums anymore because they're undervalued and underappreciated yeah. He said he said um albums have just become too much of a disposable commodity for him to invest time and energy and stuff in them. Is yeah. I mean, he'll stay busy. He does tons of uh soundtracks, soundtracks and scores. 
but he's just like don't hold your breath for a new nine inch nails album you know well tad it's made us have to reapproach how we make movies and how much we invest in them mm-hmm. um not that we've ever right. really you know, just realizing that like, there's no guarantee. It used to feel like you could break through on the internet in a way, you know, with hard work and determination and reaching out to the right people. You could get the right eyes, but now you're just like a slave to the algorithm, I which know. has helped some people, but obviously there yeah. can be some trickiness to it when the algorithm likes, especially drama or celebrity or um, fails. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which I love fails, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, it's tough because, like, some of our projects, like, I already know. I'm like, oh, that's going to be a hit, you know. And other ones, I'm like, I don't know who this is for. I know that the people that will that it somehow reaches will love it and appreciate it, but it's not going to do the same numbies. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like American Sunset, we made that film. It's, like, such a proud thing for me, that that film. I was watching it down Yesterday, you were watching it yesterday, yeah. I was laughing my ass off. It's a comedy. It's a tragedy. It's just like these moments that are just like, oh my God. It's like one of my favorite things we've ever done, but it doesn't do the same numbers as Wooks, which came right after it, which I knew from a mile away. I was like, this one's going to go viral. This is going to get a lot of attention and will continue to get a lot of attention. Well, because there's a zeitgeist, you know? And mm-hmm. of course. Yeah. Of course. It makes sense. I mean,. That's why even with going and doing American Juggle, I was like, this is going to be a hit. Because it was in the zeitgeist at the oh, time. Yeah. Uh, was it? Well, Tila Tequila. Oh, yeah. Our, our movie ended up dwarfing that. It was just, yeah, it, was, it, it popped up as like a little just a li- news story that Tila Tequila went to the Gathering of the Juggalos and got completely fucked with. It was a knife to spike some curiosity. It spiked my curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, I read this story, which sounded terrifying, of Tila Tequila going to the Gathering of the Juggalos and everyone throwing shit at her or whatever and it sounded terrifying and i was like well we need to go see what that is in my heart i was like there's no way it can be that bad and uh i mean like it was for her i'm not going to take that away from her (laughs) yeah totally but when we went horrible when we went there it was nothing like that and also i wonder if she mistook like getting sprayed with fago and all that stuff being thrown at her for like abuse when it is kind of a form of love when people are yelling, piss yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was one I knew. I would, it, when when I thought of the title, which is low-hanging fruit, but when I when I thought of it, I was like, that's going to that's gonna shift things for us. And it did. I remember thinking it was going to shift stuff for us because we would go to film festivals. Like, I went to, I didn't, um, well, I guess with... Johnny Corndog, Stray Dog, and I went to the some bowler. Um, screenings of the Bowler with you. and every, The Archive. Yeah, I feel like the Archive, I credit you with really kind of spearheading the energy towards short documentary format. Portraits. Portraits of uh, some interesting older man. Yeah. I think there's like a wave of them after. Yeah. That it, it wasn't so saturated when you made that, so it felt like really unique and interesting. But then by the time we were at these festivals, it was like, okay, another portrait of an old white guy who has some sort of hobby. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and so to be like, okay, we're flipping the script, and not that's not to demean what your film no, or not yeah, at all. Yeah. I, I'm very proud of everything we've done. Um. But it was just like, oh, to like do a group, to do an energy, to do a scene, it will just be so a breath of fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, they don't even know. 
they don't even know we have in our back pocket. And American Juggalo was so big that it didn't. We didn't even do film festivals. Yeah. Yeah. It it had it had blown up so much that I'm like, what am I gonna waste? Like the, these film festivals are a fucking racket. It's like seventy five dollars to submit. And uh, yeah, what am I gonna do? Spend thousands of dollars to oh please please let me do a screening at some film festival I've never heard of and fucking 200 people go to, like, when already hundreds of thousands of people had seen it. Like, well, what? and also the amount of money you spend going to the festival. I think yeah. there's a use for it, and we're not totally opposed to doing it again. We have a film we're in the works with that w- would deserve that sort of attention. And Yeah, but someone else is going to pay for, for the submissions, you know? You were saying this the other night. You were like, it's kind of crazy that we have had success in this because we don't come from money and we don't have any money because that's what you really need that to succeed in any art form well, but you especially were asking, something as expensive as you form. were also asking why don't we have more success you know yeah. you weren't like not yeah, no but it was just kind of like why do you think we don't have haven't had more success and i was like because we don't have money like we don't yeah you need a lot of money to get your ideas made and you need to get good ideas made and eventually you'll break through to a level where you don't need to necessarily self-finance but it takes a lot of self-financing to get to a certain point yeah we're still doing it yeah like almost 20 years later still but you know what happens when you self-finance you don't have to answer to anybody it's a beautiful thing yeah a very pure vision can come out of it and like the people that have picked up on our films i think deeply appreciate that we made them like that yeah and that's why i think you get really happy when someone reads writes a comment on American Sunset and was like, damn, this is an underrated film or underrated channel or whatever it is. Like, I get it. This is awesome. And you're just like, yes, I made it for you. Yeah, totally. This was made for you. This moment is perfect. When people get that movie, especially, I'm like, thank you. You really understand me. When people really, when they resonate with that one in particular, I'm like, we're homies. You get me. You get what this is all about. You know? Because to me, that was like uh a crapshoot it was like it was it was literally like again luck and it was like just being pulled towards an energy this guy just called me he just mm-hmm. he how did he know about me again um, oh i was on the concrete podcast yes shout out to danny jones and the concrete podcast that got us a lot of exposure yeah that's how it happened that's his name though yeah oh, okay and uh yeah, we were on that podcast, and like a couple weeks later, this guy calls me up. This is still like uh, pandemic era. This guy calls me up, and he's like, "Come make a movie about me. I'm a time traveling rapper who was at January 6th. Like all this, all this stuff." And he he overwhelmed me on the phone. Like really, I was just like, "Okay, whatever." But there was just like some little thing. I was just like, "Fuck it, let's do it." We hadn't made a movie in like two years. We had unemployment money, and it was like. Let's put together as small a crew as possible and see if there's something interesting going on. So we just went to Indiana for four days. And I don't know. I think the reason I'm so proud of that is because, like, you make something like that and it works. And, it and uh, you know, I love it so much that I'm like, throw me anywhere. I could make a film. I, I could make a film anywhere, anytime mm-hmm. and make something interesting out of it. So, uh, yeah, when people get that one, I'm like, fuck yeah. That one, that's my baby. I made that on unemployment money when I didn't even know if we were ever going to make another movie again. It just felt like such uncertain times. And it really uh, reinvigorated me. And yeah, thank God for Drew, our our cinematographer, who 
really uh, pushed to go make that and said he would do it for free and brought all this equipment for free. And uh, I borrowed my parents' car because ours wouldn't make it that far. Really a big bar on steel sort of situation. All of them. Like, again, if you don't come from money and you don't have tons of money, it is a big borrow and steel thing. But I just look at it as investing in yourself. And, yeah, it worked out, I yeah. guess. We've had a lot of good times, and I look forward to the good times we have ahead. You yeah. know, I had a moment where I was like, oh, are we going to get too old to do this one day? You know? Yeah, I've thought of that. But it's good to just stay in the present moment. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. We're not too old now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, gotta get I would there. have thought 15 years ago that at 42 I'd be too old for this shit. 15 years ago, 42 seemed really old. Yeah. Now 42 is like, I'm young. I'm, I'm still young. I was telling you that I was telling you that last night. I was like, "Wow, it's awesome we're reuniting with Hillary and like we're all still so young. Like this is when filmmakers get good at their shit." So, yeah, I don't know. This is probably boring to people that aren't filmmakers or haven't seen our work. But go go check it out. Check we're out just making an advertisement for our other movies right now. So yeah, it is yeah. what it is. That's you, what this podcast started as. Yeah, just we were like, let's, we could use it to advertise the movies and the movies will advertise the podcast in a weird way and it'll kind of like feed each other and it's never become quite like the symbiotic relationship I wanted it to be, but it, it'll be what it's going to be. It, it it turns out it's like two separate things and we're content I love them both. kings. Oh yeah. The kings of content. Kings of content. Oh. Yeah. For sure. Sometimes I have, I wake up and once in a while I'm like, oh, I should be doing more content. Not, not more, just more like. I'm content. I'm content though. You know, it was more like, oh, I just, I love the film so much. And sometimes I'm like, am I not doing them service by not promoting them with like shorts on Instagram or something like that? Not, not, I guess what I'm saying is like, I think it's a bit better to be content than be a content, but mm. whatever. I'm not even, this is digress. I, let me digress. I'm allowing it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you the space to digress right now. <laughs> what have you been thinking about sweet little cassie sassy cassie well i've been thinking about how great you've been doing still post nicotine congratulations yeah. oh yeah not to focus on you no but it's all good i do want to bring attention it's, to it's that. a thing of the past <laughs> yeah yeah i i understand why I, I did that and uh now i don't need it yeah our friend did a really wonderful ceremony with you and invited us to like such a sweetie burn yeah burn that side of you apart away yeah. you know um well because she was um like six months ahead of me on the journey she had quit smoking i think she was a smoker from like 18 to 25 or whatever and uh somehow quit and you know but it, it's such a an ever-present thing because you see people smoking you see people use you see people using nicotine more than ever mm-hmm uh, so it's it can be very triggering and it has to be like, it's weird. There's no like AA for nicotine. There's no rehab for it or anything. It's just like. There should be some sort of support network because there is a come down, right? Well, y yeah, yeah. No, there, there's a there's a major come down that you could probably mistake for depression. Um, But she did it and uh, she was telling us like how she did it and she's proud of herself and she's getting her lungs back and I was like I'm addicted to these and I showed her the little things and you were like get those out of here don't don't even show her those and this and that and then a few weeks later I I uh, kind of based on what she said like she really kind of motivated me 
to be like, I can do this. Like, I think kicking a smoking habit is probably harder than these little pouches. There's a lot more nicotine in a cigarette. Than and there's also a lot more, um, like, habitualness to it, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The habit, the oral fixation, oh, the, the stepping the outside. Yeah, a lot more ritual. If you roll your own cigarettes, there's a ritual to that. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, yeah, she kicked it and then um, they invited us over the other night and said, like, let's do a little ceremony and, uh, you know, thank this plant for everything that it taught us, you know, but but let it go. And we had a little fire and I had a, like, I still had a pack of these nicotine Zen pouches. I just threw them in the fire. She threw her tobacco in the fire. We said enough's enough with this. <laughs> but not like cursing it or anything like that. Because I think that's when you start getting into territory of like cursing your past self. And that's not that's not good because your past self can feel that. And you probably felt that uh, curse that your future self put on you when you were in that moment. And that's probably where like like sticky feelings of like shame and guilt came from. At least that's the way I see it. Well, it's like I'm constantly playing with my past, present, and future self. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like an ego inflamement. Like, I'm better than that, you know? Yeah. Like, and to say that you're better than that is to, like, stake yourself in ground that this is just, we're in quicksand, so. Yeah. And and ultimately, like, the ultimate act of forgiveness, I think, is just being like, I wouldn't change anything about my life. Mm-hmm. But, like, everything that happened to me. Everything I did, it all led me to the motherfucker I am today. And I and I like that guy. And uh, I have all these wild adventures that I can draw from. And maybe I don't need to be as compulsive and, and wild and weird as I was. But I don't regret that we were, or I was. And you sat there bearing witness to it with your, your perfect pure consciousness. No, stop. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was telling our friend when we did this this little ceremony, I was like, I don't often think this, but I would love to hop in Cass's consciousness for a second just to see what it feels like cuz I bet you it feels like a like a nice clean room. It feels like a fluffy fluffy <laughs> cloud. I feel like in a fluffy cloud right now. Yeah. No, it's it, it can get messy. It get it, it gets a little stressful. Mhm. You remind me to calm myself down. Take I try a deep to, breath. I try to bring you back to the present moment. Yeah, I can I can just run a little tight or run a spin a little fast, but yeah, I'm working on it. Well, luckily it's uh, so easy to spot Noah, with you. Yeah, Noah was one of the most revealing moments about my personality of my life when I think about it. Lay it on me. So in our old apartment, we used to have this like epic curtain that we put up because it was helped keep the heat in a room, and we were with some friends. Joey and Mare, and we were, we, so I don't remember how this came up, but it was like, let's do an impression of each other, how we are when we walk into a room. Oh, that's so, it was so funny. It was like our form of charades. Yeah. It was like, guess who I am. We each had to do it. You know, it was like, Cass, get behind that curtain and walk in as Joey right now. You're not allowed to say anything. Now walk in as Mare. Now walk in as Sean. Or just even guess who I'm walking in as, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember how we did it, but either way. Joey walked in as me, and I was like, oh, my God. You're like, is that how I come off? That is how I come off, because that is how I am sometimes, where I'm just, like, head down. Like, people <laughs> in, my, in the apartment, and I'm just like, I'm on a mission. Yeah. I'm stressed. Yeah. I got to figure something out, you know? Yeah. And uh, 
I think I've calmed down a lot since that moment, partly because that moment was like, whoa. Well, I think it's particularly hard for you given like the the role that you play in everything we do. I'm like, I got to take things seriously. Well, you kind of do. Yeah. Like, I, I feel for you in that way because it's very easy for me to be like, hey, come on. Come chill on. out. Join me in the present moment right now. It's like you have to anticipate so much. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, that, yeah, that, that's especially like when we're working on a project or something, you have to be thinking many steps ahead. So that's probably, that can really trip up like what the present moment even feels like to you. Yeah. No, and the present moment could feel stressful to you if it's not, you know, like if you're not like thinking ahead and getting shit done. Yeah. uh, Anticipating and yeah, looking. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but I've learned how to do it with more grace. I'm learning how to slow down and every day. But man, I remember looking being a PA way back in the day, twenty production assistant. Production assistant at twenty one years old or whatever and having like producers and being like, They're so chill. Yeah. And you really couldn't The best ones are chill. And I was like, Why can't I be chill? And mm-hmm. as I've gotten older, I realize part like a good chunk of it has to do with experience you have to have seen things like work out yeah you have to have seen gone through the process of like actually and having actual big stresses so when a little stress pops up you know it doesn't even blip on your radar you're like oh i fix things and that's something i can fix yeah and uh i don't know you almost it's what i love about being a human but it's like a little frustrating because as someone who like prioritizes comfort over everything, even though I do a lot of things that make you un- make me uncomfortable, mm-hmm. like as, but I still really just like want to wear comfortable clothes. I want to make people f- I'm around feel comfortable. I want to feel comfortable. Um, that's not to say I, I want to stay in a box, but it really life experience is what allows that. Yeah. And there's no, you can't cut, you can't skip ahead. You can't skip in line to the wisdom that getting older has brought. And it's like, that's for me. As bittersweet as aging and getting closer to death is, it's like you feel more comfortable in your skin. Oh, yeah. That's why I love aging and dying. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. You're like, just as soon as I freaking really love this meat suit, I'm going to be out of here. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Don't get too used to it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't attach too much. Don't cling too much. Well, I, I think it's interesting because you're like, you know, with with age comes the, the wisdom of like things work out. But like, I also think what's like uh, helped me get to the place is like seeing things not work out. Mm. You know, that that's almost more powerful. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I wish my sister was still alive. Yeah. She's not like, what can I do about that? It didn't work out. Am I going to let that? haunt me Mm. that's like an ego attachment to things working out you know the way i think they should and uh right i don't know i I think having some stuff like that and having uh like for so long in the commercial world which is how we make our money we always have to bid these jobs like i had such a high batting average like we would get every job that we'd get that we'd get to bid and then you know went on a streak where it's like we bid a bunch of jobs and then we just didn't get them for one reason or another yeah we were competing with companies that just they had already picked out the person that a they lot wanted. of times they already have picked out the person or they're coming with like hey we can do in-house graphics in-house this in-house that yeah you know? yeah so but like those not working out it's like i don't know i think it made me a better person a little bit oh well because it doesn't work out and you're like 
I'm okay. You're like, like, I'm fine. I'm it's fine. okay. It's, it's okay. It's okay. I'm happy. What is the success of being... This is, I think, where the gambling mindset gets a little dangerous. Totally. <laughs> totally. <laughs> because it's almost... I'll get it back. I'll get it back. You know, there's the underdog mentality, but then there's also the, you know, kind of the high you get of, like, everything falling apart and being, like, maintaining an optimism, mm-hmm. you know, which is fun, but I think within the context of gambling can be a little more dangerous. Yeah. Because you kind of get off on, like, you know, the loss. Some people do, it seems. For sure. The humbling loss and just being like, nah, nah, they're just holding my money. People that don't like losing don't become gambling heads. Right. I don't think. I don't. I know I don't like losing. So, like, you've seen me give up gambling. Yeah. You've seen it. Like, I'm like, eh, it's, not, it's not fun to me. It's just that it's not that fun. Even even to the point where it's like, oh, crypto's booming. Like, you, we better get some money in there. It's just like, eh, it's not that fun. You know? To the point where getting a bunch of money in that way isn't even that fun to me either like it's it's not what i want my rewards my reward system anticipating and craving no we were watching last night um molly's game with uh jessica chastain like runs these high uh high in pots you know where it's like high end poker games with very very rich people you know where it's like half a million dollars to get in the game and one of the characters, Michael Sarah, is playing who you think might be based on. It's a true story. It's Molly's Game is a true story, and it's a book. And she changed all the names in the book besides her own. And in the film, Michael Sarah plays this celebrity that everyone wanted to play poker with, and I think is based on Tobey Maguire. Yeah, so we don't know what is We think so. And what was so interesting about his character, I mean, he's an actor. So he, like, making money by, like, acting is, like, Okay, like I did my job, but making money from like convincing someone in poker yeah. to like bet the way you want them to so that you win yeah. is like a whole nother level of stakes. Yeah. That your art of like how you present and how you act. Yeah. I, I'm assuming it was very validating. It seemed like that character really wanted to just destroy people's lives, which was like kind of a dark side of it. But... Which is what he tried to do to the main character, too. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, th- I think it's where you get your wires crossed. It's mm-hmm. like you're very talented at this thing, and he's like, "Oh, let me use it for evil purposes." Well, I think there you have to of... use your gifts for good purposes. Well, I also think there's a point where you're like looking for if you are looking for a rush, the stakes have to get a little higher each time because you're looking for some sort of external validation. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like you, if it's always external, it's always you're gonna always be, gonna need more. You're always gonna need more. You're gonna need more stuff or. More yeah. love or more relationships or more sex or more money. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is stuff that I'm now um, I'm trying to play with my frequency and the things that I think I need. And I'm depriving myself of stuff that I thought I needed to even feel alive. And I'm not only good, I'm probably better than ever. I'm probably sharper than I've been in a really long time right now. I think so. I think it's it, hard I th- for me to say. I don't know. I think so. I mean, I'm trying. I don't want to like praise you too much in the sense of. Oh, like, of I, course not. We just do hundreds of episodes where Sean's a fuckhead. No, but, no, no. Like, forget about like he's doing really good. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Basically, the reason I want to praise you, and I feel like I have been, and I will continue to, but I just don't want you to use me as something to push off of. Of like, 
I don't, if you get resentful of me or get upset with me, I don't want you to change your habits based on my, like, cause I want you to do things for you, no, obviously. Yeah, it's the only, it, it wouldn't stick otherwise. Yeah, no, I know. It wouldn't stick. Um, I like, I hate to say it because you are, you are the muse of this pass through for me. So I can attribute a lot to you in terms of my successes, but also my failures. But I know that um, trying to kick some addiction, like I've seen it. It, it, it only works when you're doing it for you. Yeah. It's it's why the intervention model doesn't really resonate with me that much. With the glaring exception of my father. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, I'm just like... <laughs> it's really weird. It's like I have this nice, tidy worldview. And when it comes <laughs> to addiction, like all this stuff, but then it's like my dad is like the uh, shining example of the opposite. He only will do things if he's shamed. <laughs> he will only stop doing things if he's shamed. You've like you are the most passionate orator I feel like I've ever met. Or, like as far as how so. you can articulate and get across very potently get a point across because you've literally had to tell your dad like the words that he needs to hear that you need to impart him on him to get him off of some of the heaviest addictions, like pills. Yeah. Pills are some of the craziest addiction. Cigarettes. Mm -hmm. These are some of the crack. Crack. (laughs) These are some of the craziest addictions ever. And you've had to be like, lay down the law in a way that is so intense. It embarrasses me even doing it it's kind of like what i was saying before like what like a channel opens it's the same thing in that realm i'm like who just said all that Mm -hmm. it's not like i had a speech prepared it just flows out and it's like literally he's probably the only person maybe you but even then i wouldn't go as hard as i would go on him like it's really well i'm not dabbling in any of those yeah. those territories yeah exactly. when you're mad at me it's about like something stupid but it is love it's it's weird it doesn't seem like it when it's going down but it is love i think he knows that and he can feel it because i know you say it's shame but i think he i think we know and he knows that it's love and it's care yeah, yeah. you know ultimately like i think that he, he can determine as much as it might be painful to him at times he knows it's because you care yeah probably because you're saying this is because i care yeah yeah i went nuclear the other night i haven't cried in so long and it ended with me crying i started crying listening to you i was down here and i was like oh my god yeah it was very uh i mean it was literally like he was just gonna live his life in bed there's a new there's a new term called millennial bed rot by the way oh i would have totally been one of those people don't don't break up with me i will be one of those people no i i know like i I could see like i get it yeah i get it like why would you have to leave your bed when you can postmates anything you need or watch tv TV, your phone is right there the internet like um but yeah he was like really just like giving into the darkness but it's also cast it's the come down of nicotine yeah because it can be you can identify with it as your life force Mm mm-hmm you know, and he was telling me like how the marketing got its hooks in him from a young age. You know, a cowboy out on the prairie with nothing to his name and nowhere to go. But he's got his Marlboros. That's my Marlboro man. And my dad is a wild Marlboro man. His he whole definitely life. is. And I shamed him out of smoking. <laughs> and I think it led to a little bit of uh, boomer bed rot. And 
and you know he just like wasn't getting out of bed or doing anything or moving energy for days at a time and uh it i could see it was starting to affect my mom that's yeah. and that's when it gets that's when something comes over me and it's it's not me i'm just i'm protective it's crazy i don't know where it comes from but i'm like well you had very you're making my mother fucking regret or, dread her retirement because she's gonna have to spend more time fucking dealing with your bullshit get it together and like it just led to it, it led to me being so harsh that he was like sean i hear you but like god you can be so cruel and i was like cruel <laughs> cruel and that's when it really went nuclear and i was like cool let's talk about some of the stuff that we've had yeah and it was just like boom 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 like just resume of fucking bullshit that that like we've been through yeah and um i could say i don't want to be a victim but i could say he put me through because he's in a much more powerful position than than i was he was my father he had a license he had money he you know i'm I'm a kid like what can i do so kind of like gave him a shock to the system like dude you've put us through enough enough's enough we got to figure out how to uh get you up and moving and uh what ended up making me cry was saying like man when i need a talisman for somebody that's a good person i think of you it's fucked up i think of my dad when i think of like how do i be a good person because he is so uh kind to people and he cares so much and um I didn't think it was weird. I grew up with us picking up hitchhikers all the time and strange men being in our house. <laughs> and I didn't know what was going on. But, yeah. like, my dad just cares. He yeah. really cares. And he would take people in. And, you know, someone would show up at their first AA meeting and my dad would be the first person to take them under their wing. You know? We had this guy that came and ate dinner with our family every day for, like, three years. And I had no idea why. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And it, like, turns out that he fucked his babysitter and his <laughs> wife threw him out you know yeah and it's like who would take that guy in yeah he was an alcoholic who fucked the family babysitter jesus yeah and he just like i think he would have killed himself if my dad didn't say you're to be here every night and you're gonna eat with our family yeah and uh yeah just I, I like i can't even tell you the selflessness and um the going out of his way and how many times he's helped us and bailed us out. So it just crushes my spirit to see that guy stuck in bed. Yeah. And I, I didn't expect to fucking have a baptism of tears in that moment. But that's what broke the tension. I was screaming and screaming and screaming and saying, you know, like when I think of somebody and it just broke me because it's true. You know, when I think of like, who's a good person? You know, I need an example right now. I need to rise to the occasion. I need an example of a good person. Of everyone I've ever met and known and seen in movies and read about and all this, I think of my dad because he really is that good. He really is that kind and open-hearted. And he really doesn't want to hurt anybody. He really doesn't. And he, through everything we've been through, he really didn't want to hurt me. He didn't want to. It was just what happened. And... Uh, in my way of thinking about life and spirituality, it's what I called for before I even took form to yeah. this family. Mm -hmm. I came to this family for a reason, and it's it's like it, it it's it become it's coming into more focus as I get older. 
Um, but you know, it, it wasn't something I was proud of, but I think like all that, like just right place, right time. Like, I don't know. I just happened to hear my mom get frustrated and my dad moping more and it just triggered me. And I think it moved a tremendous amount of energy that needed to be moved in this household. Like, I, 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 those things just need to happen every now and then. Some people can respond to motivational speeches, even if they're, like, a little fiery and harsh and stuff like that. Because, you know, it's, like, a trap to become. I think it's, like, a delicate line because he can feel trapped into, like, the victim narrative of, like, oh, my son's so mean to me. Yeah. But then it's, like, I don't know, it just takes a lot of presence and articulation to be, like, that's you're you're in the same time you're like going through this and you're like don't be lazy and take this as <laughs> don't, uh. like don't take don't just like succumb to a victim narrative of course you'd want to come with a victim narrative i like you and i think your way well, of, i'm saying you oh you're a victim of life you want to hear what my life's been like yeah i haven't uh, i said i said why don't you give me a little bit of that stuff you love where's the ativan where's the clonopin where's the xanax where's all that stuff give me the oxys give me the shit that you love i've never taken a pill you know I haven't tried to take the easy way out. Like, please, like, have some, have some context as as to what this has been like. But like, I'm giving this speech to myself. That's why it doesn't feel like me saying it Always, because it's yeah. like stuff I need to hear about not giving in to like just the lowest form of negativity and uh, not giving in to the shittiest stories you could tell about your family or yourself. And um, just keeping yourself locked in victimhood, which I, which has just sadly become like a commodity in this country, at least, you know, in our cu- current culture. Yeah. It seems like the only thing a lot of people can hang their hat on is like, well, I am a victim. Yeah. I am. I am oppressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not a fun way to feel. It's like disempowering. No, but it, but it is a way to feel. Yeah. You know? it's like that's my story oh okay things haven't worked out for me that's my story you know i've been oppressed i've i've been victimized and a lot of people have a lot of people have but is that the story you want to be telling about yourself the dominant narrative yeah why would you want to let that be the dominant narrative we're all guilty of it every one of us i'm probably more guilty of it than most people hearing this that's the reason we didn't put out the last that's literally the reason we didn't put out the last podcast that we recorded because i like I was tired. Um, we're still recording, right? Yeah. Okay. I was tired and I I think we have like a a normal trope that we get into where like I give you a hard time about something that was not even that big of a deal. Yeah. yeah and yeah. then we make a thing out of it and then you're you're just, and I just realized I was like, Oh my god, I just fell back into that trope of like a victim narrative and I don't even feel like a victim, so to come in so to express as if I'm a victim is like ridiculous. Yeah. I just felt like so ridiculous about the whole thing. Yeah. Because I was like, you said something and I just like was bullshit. Like it was just It was righteous victimhood too, which is kind of like a scary one. It wasn't even like paralyzed victimhood. It was like, no, I know the story. Yeah. Oh, you think you're the victim? I am. And it's it's the same thing. It's all the same. We we go back and forth. And I think we're just trying to like invite each other into better narratives and yeah. invite and hold space for each other. And this Eckhart Tolle book I've been reading about like a new earth has been helping me kind of roll with the punches of life or flow with things and just not I'm trying to get better tools to not flare my own, 
to not allow my own ego to flare in response to someone else's ego flare up or like it's you want chicken to be less reactionary yeah because it's like my ego activates your ego and your ego activates my ego and it just becomes this like yeah dance like you have to absorb and transmute otherwise it'll paralyze you and also otherwise you'll just pass it on to someone else oh, like yeah. this energy is in you it can bounce off you and reflect in a way that like it's very damaging and then it bounces back at you again yeah. you know what i mean yeah there's almost like sometimes i can be so impermeable that like my energy just like bounce it bounces right back to you but it's not even that's rude you yeah. know yeah <laughs> Like to not absorb what you're communicating to me to allow us to both like rise to a higher consciousness of like understanding, compassion and love and acceptance. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That, that you, you've seemed to love that book. Have you ever gone down the, the Eckhart Tolle rabbit hole before? This yeah, is your yeah. first. No, yeah. I've read it like, uh, be here now, or not, not, yeah. The power of now. Yeah. He, he's like, uh, he's like, like the Beatles of, uh, spiritual shit you know like like he like he's he's somebody that everyone seems to love how many countless guests on this podcast friends of ours whatever have been like oh yeah the power of now changed my life or or whatever name of one of his books i mean i think it's like talking about awakening in a very like grounded way Mm -hmm. and in lieu of like psychedelic journeys which can like kind of throw you around and i'm not saying there's not a time and a place but i've been like Hey, I want to have that psychedelic consciousness expansion without the psychedelics sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think. That's about patience. Books that are about awakening and, and kind of not serving the ego and realizing the ego is just is. Like if you try to like clamp down on the ego, the ego is just going to flare up more. So it's, it's just like a, a yeah. dance. You know yeah. what I was thinking that also speaking of psychedelics, unless there's something else you wanted to say just now. No. Um, our friend Wes was sharing his friend's trip report. I was thinking I could read it. Yeah, 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 totally. That, that was very trippy. Like, what did Wes give someone acid for the first time? Like yeah. an older head? I don't, I don't, yeah, just another head. I don't, yeah. but they had acid for the first time. So he, he sent us, as he knew we would appreciate it, he sent us his response. And I was like, hey, if I won't say his name, but can I share this with people that Oh, I you know? asked Wes if you could share it? Yeah. Oh, cool. So uh, with permission yeah author anonymous this this stuff to me is like the gold of of like you know it's it's very precious it's very sacred when you know the 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 things that come to you when you first take a psychedelic trip it's like i hate to say it there might be diminishing returns after that you know if this guy were to take acid again this weekend he might not tap into this because this was just very very cool yeah Okay, so Wes asks him, uh, what are your thoughts, you know? And he wrote, the fucking truth, bro. A pro advice to all young, indecisive, and self-acclaimed lost people who stress about their future, who are stressed about finding out who they are and what they need to do. And an advice to myself, you have time. Because time, you see, doesn't exist. You can only really have what doesn't exist. You can only really own what isn't real. Time is not real. Therefore, we own time. It's a mind-made concept. We own it with our minds, our thoughts and humanoid brain, to perceive all matter better and fragmented, and to, to experience not all at once. In order to understand the universe, 
to grasp both the vastness of it and the detail of it, the infinity of it, every hour of it, every minute, second. If time would exist, it would be finite. It'd have a logical beginning and a logical end, an intro and an outro, an arc of tension, a direction. The universe is omnidirectional, knows no end, is infinite. There is no specific direction. There is no beginning and there is no end. So there is no time. No point A to point B in time. No difference. All of it is now, happening in the same moment, happening at the same time. Unified time. A concentrated big ball of time-space, expanding and contracting all at once in every direction. As a breathing lung. Yin and yang. A buff, unified, instantaneous ball of time. Fragmented, structured, organized, threaded by our brains. To comprehend. To take it slow. You've got this. Um... No difference. Uh, all of it is happening now, happening in the same moment, happening at the same time, unified time. Oh, sorry, I went, sorry. We are the timekeepers, speed limiters, minute stretchers. We open space by creating time, by owning it, but there is actually is none. Love exists. You can't own that. It's universal. Time doesn't. It's human. It's yours. Take it. Take your time. You have it. And then he followed up. Let me see. This. Whoa. Take your time. You have it, yeah. That, but that's a whole different way of thinking about the phrase, take your time. I know, right. totally. <laughs> I'll, I'll finish what his last, he went on. Every breath is a pulse that manages time by rhythm, which is timed movement in our perception of reality. We can literally slow down time by breathing or speed it up. To physical beings living from the a, from A to B, from birth to death, time looks relative, but it actually doesn't exist. It exists only in order to compute the physical experience of eternal, infinitely, and unstoppable expanding beings. That's why there's a narrative. There appears to be logic and cause and effect. There seems to be physics that rule our material world. That's why we created time. We are timekeepers, speed limiters, minute stretchers. We open space by creating time, by owning it. But there actually is none. Hooey! <laughs> <laughs> Reminds me of that Me Puppets song, Oh Me. Yeah, why? I can't see the end of me, my whole expanse. I cannot see a formulate infinity and store it deep inside me. Mm, yeah, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's another way to put it. A little more. Yeah. More lyrical. Lyrical, yeah. That's beautiful, beautifully yeah. written. And you and it's, it's I, if I got a text like that, I'd be like, I don't know how to respond to this. Like, it would put a little thumbs up or something. I don't even know what. Amen, yeah. brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's. I mean, that's the beauty of acid and psychedelics is that you can have a a tangible experience of that space beyond time. You yeah. know, and to feel the relativity of time and feel time be abstracted so that you're like oh the time that i feel in regular life is kind of an illusion yeah it's crazy that time feels so similar every day or mm. you know it's more interesting how you know flow can speed up time or uh fasting can slow down time and oh yeah you've never had a longer minute of your life than if you haven't eaten in three days good lord we know about that yeah, or just yeah, if you're not around anyone or don't are not um distract not uh doing anything that's stimulating. Yeah. You're like, Well, there's a lot of time in a day. 
Yeah. Like, well, that, way that's too whole, much. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> that's the whole thing. Like stimulation really speeds time up. Yeah. And that, that that's it's, we're doing ourselves a disservice by being overstimulated. Well, we're lo- you're giving time away. Yeah. Take your time. We're praying to the devil of death with our distraction. Whoa. I said that. I was. Uh, um. Yeah. No, I love those kind of reminders, I, especially since it's been a minute since I've done a big LSD trip. I'm like, <gasps> kind of like can make your stomach a little uneasy. Well, that that's a beautiful thing too about these psychedelics is like you don't need to keep taking them. You really don't. Like you, you got the message probably in the first few times, and now the message can be triggered by things like that, by words, and uh, other people's experiences, and just reminders. So. Yeah, no, it was, it was interesting thinking about where we are now and what led to it and um, just trying to think. Like, sometimes I can get superstitious of, like, did this lead to that and when something's good or when something's bad? I'm like, is it because of this or because of that? Oh, yeah, no, I know. And then you, The other day revealed that you thought you were uh, partly responsible for a friend of ours that accidentally died and it had nothing to do with us, you know, but, like, that's, you know, that's... That's your ego tripping out. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, we're all partly responsible for everything. Like there, there's no, there's, mm-hmm. I'm, you know. There's no separation. There's no separation. It is everything. But um, I don't know. We're trying to understand cops and concepts that make sense to like the human narrative that we have and the life that we live. But things might not be going as much in order as we think they are. Mm. You know, our mind makes us think that things happen in order, but they might not actually be happening in an order. That's and why I'm talking about being good to your past self, no matter what they were up to. Yeah. You know, cause, um, I don't know. Do you, do you ever feel like a weight out of nowhere? And you're like, what the heck is this? And, or, or like just, just crushed under tremendous guilt or stress or whatever. And it's like, is that not the future me saying, oh, God, I was such a piece of shit for so long or whatever. You know, I'm not doing a great job of articulating it, but I can feel it. It's helped me clean my act up mm-hmm. and, and take my time back. Plant better seeds. Yeah, yeah. I think it's it's cool because like when you take acid or mushrooms or or ayahuasca or any of this stuff um gives you a break i guess from from the ego which i always say like the simplest way i think of the ego is like your story of you and it kind of gives you a little bit of space from that and uh, you know on the on like the physiological level it's just like it's silencing your amygdala which is like telling you to be scared yeah it's like regulating fear responses so you take this and you're not scared and then you realize time's not real (laughs) <laughs> and then it gets scared again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it, isn't it such a, isn't it just like such a trip? Like it's, is like what, how much of uh, our fear and survival instinct is um, dictating how our life feels in terms of us getting ahead of ourselves or feeling like we're stagnating or whatever. So, uh, you know, th- this whole chapter right now for me is about calming down and slowing down and learning how to self-regulate, learning how to not bitch and moan about myself to myself, but also about external things to my babe. You know? It's just learning how to, like, regulate 
Yeah. There's like there's a, there's a balance of like of course we can vent to each other and but and of course I can be here for you, but I'm also not your therapist. And I'm not saying you use me as one, but we all use each other as one yeah. and we don't necessarily know how that affects each other. Um and and what we're speaking into reality. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm not saying to be like so precious with with what you express or anything, but I mean, I think as you become more aware, you just naturally do because you realize the impact of everything. Yeah. Well, you realize the impact of impure thoughts. Yeah, it's rough. Let alone something you might express. Well, that's what's so cool about like, and burdensome, I guess, about like the, also the tangible experience of karma that you can have on high doses of psychedelics is like, you're like, time's not real. I'm here. The way I'm feeling has to do with like my actions and my thoughts and all this stuff. And you're just like, it's freeing though, because you're like, oh, well I can just do better. You Mm -hmm. know, Mm -hmm. I can just be more aware. I can be kinder, be more generous, be more grateful, be more brave. Courageous. Courageous. I think it's a courageous act to even um, take a look at all this stuff. It's courageous to take psychedelics. It's it's courageous to uh, go on a journey of self-improvement. It's courageous to quit things, you know, to move energy. Because uh, what the ego wants is what's familiar. It, it seeks comfort in familiarity. Even if, even if the familiarity is uh, bed rot. Mm-hmm. Or even if the familiarity is righteousness, or I'm at least I'm better than X. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. Complaining about something because you uh, can be like, oh, well, they this sucks and that sucks and I'm better than them. I'm like, it is, it is, it is me. <laughs> mm. That is me. That is a total reflection of me and where I'm at, an extension of who I am. Yeah. And getting to tap into the unified consciousness once in a while is like kind of a gift because you're just like, well, we're all out here together and it's not what we think it is. Yeah, yeah. And it's not going the way we think it is and it's not about what we think it is and it's not necessarily about collecting and hoarding resources as we're told. Yeah, you know? yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Actually, in fact, that's making things worse. Yeah. Well, in, in the unified field of consciousness, we're always home. Yeah. We're always We're always comfortable. We're always um, held and bitching and moaning. You're just talking about yourself when, you, when you're on that level, when you're in the unified field of consciousness, and which is always available to us, which is, you know, I think that's in that book is like when things feel like they're getting crazy or out of control or you're having ego flare ups, you can just tap into um, the unified field of consciousness and, and um, the feeling of aliveness that is contained in any, in every being in this universe. It's a pretty uh, trippy little mind game you could play, and uh, it's it's a it's a trippy little escape hatch. Yeah, the trick is to remember to remember even when you forget. Mm. Allow yourself to forget, and then just be like, "I'll just remember again. I'll just have to remember again." Yeah. I I might have forgotten right now, but it's temporary. Remember to forget, and forget to remember. A little bit of both. Yeah. Just saying gobbledygook right now. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> you know, like we were saying the other day, like we had a friend that used to be like, oh, I'm I'm sorry. I have to, I, I'm pretty sure this is my first time being a human. 
it's like we could all assume that about ourselves yeah you know it's definitely it feels very much like my first time being sean so what am i gonna do beat myself up because i'm not doing some perfect run through what would a perfect run through even look like or feel like you know yeah and you also i'm getting used to this i'm figuring out what it is to be in a body to to you know there's a lot of limits to being in a body i think my consciousness is not used to being contained like that i'm getting used to being a human being at 42 years old still and I probably will be until the day I get out of this body. I think that's the shame of what you're calling millennial bed rot. And I've definitely had some days and times like that. Um, but I could see how you could succumb to it. But um, you're just doing a disservice to yourself and the world because you being present, like generally you, is such a gift to other people. Like, just think. Like, what I can't help but think when you say that thing about Mark Clark. Mm-hmm. Is like you putting yourself out there by having a camera and then staying to work at the deli. Like you have like infinite possibilities when you're creating of like who you're going to run into. And then the universe can like conspire and have your back. But totally. it, you can take yourself out of the game mm-hmm. by not doing anything and passively consuming. Yeah. And it's really, it's easy, but it's painful and it hurts us and it hurts our body. It hurts our soul. It hurts our spirit. And, it's not only a disservice to you and your physical, spiritual body, but it's also a disservice to all the people you could affect. Because as much as Mark Clark affected you, you obviously affected him. Yeah, know? he texted me being like, I miss you. I'll be in New York City. Let's hang out. And yeah, I'm like, oh, exactly. Man, it's been a wild ride, hasn't it, man? Yeah, and I mean, if we're here, let's affect each other. Yeah. You know? Well, you, you had great advice the other night. It hit me hard. Um, we we had a friend, we have a friend who is like um, stagnating and kind of complaining about that and everything in their life. And you're, and they're not doing anything. Currently just not doing anything. And haven't been for a while. And you were like, uh, do something. Even if it's not the right thing. What do you, you sit around and wait for the perfect idea for you to do the perfect thing? Start doing something even if it's not good. You got to move energy. You got to move energy. You got to start collecting data points. Like you got to. It'll inform. You got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's kind of why we stick to this podcast, even though we don't have the biggest, the best numbies that you could possibly have. And, you know, sponsors. We do have the best numbies you could possibly have. Yeah, we do. Because it well, because the best people listen to us. Yes. You know, especially the people that are this deep. But I, I thought it was so, like, I was like, damn, Casper, I'd never heard you say that before. I feel like I I've know. said it a million times. It's I, like, I, I just like thought it's... it was such a perfect advice in the perfect moment for the perfect person. Just like, do something. Who cares what it is? Do something, even if it's not the right thing. What couldn't, what's not the right thing? You know? Would, should I look back and be like, I shouldn't have been working at the deli a year out of college. You know, I should have been, what? What should I have been doing? Mark Clark came in that deli and saved my life. Where else should I have been? Where else should I be now? In a way, you skipped ahead because of it. Oh, yeah. Totally. You know, being in a small team where you could really prove yourself and, like, yeah. then get, I don't know, have an opportunity to produce and direct and write at such a young age. It's very impressive. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, like, who am I? And also, like, we gotta, we gotta, like, I hated, I'm not beyond mess ups and i'm making i'm making little mess ups every day life mm. is a little oh hell yeah little little mess ups like oops sorry i'm learning i'm learning but happy um, little accidents happy little accidents but um 
you gotta get them through because it gets better. I make a lot less happy little accidents. I'll say that. Yeah. I have like a lot less stressful days. I, yeah. you know, it's not perfect. And I think that's what we've both been like trying to impart on each other is like, let's just be patient with each other. Like we're doing so good. Let's be grateful for each other. And I think we're really stepping into that with each other. And it's been a long fucking journey. Yeah. And has. we're still on it together. We've been together now. 13 years. 13 years. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, Crazy. They were making Stray Dog 13 years ago. Yeah. We reunited with Hillary, and it was like, damn, this Hillary's known you since you were 22 years old. I know. A little a little stress pot PA, you know, to now you're executive producing, and um, we're all still in the game. Yeah. It's so cool. It's so cool. Life is so cool if you live it. If you yeah. don't live it, it's not going to be so cool. You got to live it. You got to live it. You got to do a little something. You got to shake it up. Yeah. I have a friend who's going to a different church every yeah. weekend and like learning something from different pastors and preachers or whatever and that's learning stuff so about cool. the architecture and meeting new people. And I love that. That's that's very cool. That's very commendable. You know? yeah. and, and then, I mean, the artist way is all about taking yourself on artist dates, you know, and mm -hmm. I feel like... Every time I go to a museum, I'm like so inspired. I'm like, why do I not go to museums yeah, more? You yeah. know, every time we watch a documentary, I'm so inspired. And it's like, it's, it feels so um, easy to just like passively consume. Yeah, but totally. There, but there's so much life to be like culled from like. Yeah. What, what about our friend that did the radical prescription and she fucked 48 different guys in 48 days? Yeah, try that one. Oh. Yeah, look, no, this is what I'm saying. Like, she felt that she needed to move a tremendous amount of energy, and she took on this challenge, and she did it, and uh, made her the person she is now. Riddled with STDs, and no. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's like, no one knows what that radical prescription for you and what your soul needs besides you. And, and you're a not going to know unless you, you don't find know out. unless you start doing this stuff. You were telling me the other day, you're like, Cass... And you were just put into good words, and I don't know how to share this, but you were like, look, Cass, I've got this one life to live, and I just want to be a legend. Because, like, sometimes you do wild shit, and I support you yeah, in no, being wild, and I am do wild shit, and you support me in being wild, but I think we just, like, you put a word to it. You're like, look, I just want to be freaking legendary. <laughs> yeah. I'm, like, seduced by that, like, legendary zhuzh or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you definitely know how to... Uh disqualify it with toxic modesty sometimes and it uh, i'm like we're on a legendary run through and you can't even speak to it in any kind of positive way you just always want to say like oh no it's not us it's like oh no big deal you know i'm just like stop stop let's own it you know let's own it mm -hmm. we're living our dream one thousand percent yeah enjoying every minute of it we're taking our time taking our time owning time yeah <laughs> cool um we could hop over to the patreon for a little bit talk a little bit more get a little bit more personal a little bit more detailed a little more spicy okay babe um if you haven't already joined our patreon it's so cool it's called the church of chill and uh it's a great community in addition to um a bunch of music mixes i've done i've done 177 episodes of the church of chill radio show they're all on there and uh, probably 100-plus bonus podcasts. 
um, and that is on patreon.com slash church of chill. Where we do often, the friend I was talking about, Rachel, uh, we do art group on Sundays. Sunday afternoon, the homies get together and uh, do art together on the Zoom or or, uh, through the Discord. There's like a video channel that that everyone gets on it's all it's like sometimes the conversation's really flowing and really good and sometimes we're just like off in our little worlds but having that out accountability is just like it's just such a good vibe so yeah yeah if you want to have any time where you make some art yeah in the company of others that's patreon.com slash church of chill um we ask for two dollars but you can of course give more if you really dig what we do um we really deeply appreciate it at this point and uh, we also have a bunch of new merch. We're running low, so get in while you can still get them. We have our Church of Chill hoodies. We have our Church of Chill Laugh Till You Cry, Live Till You Die t-shirts, which will be great for the summer. Supercharged. Yeah, and we have uh, Very Ape beanies that are my, my new favorite hat. I love those things. So thank you so much for listening to us. Peace, love, and magic. Y'all see you in the afterglow. Shoo.